when raising a Pacifico beer with friends you just met turns into hitting up their friend's local art show, getting inspired to create something together, and painting your first mural, you found what was waiting for you. Pacifico. Life's waiting. 21 plus only. Discover responsibly. Pacifico Clara Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. I think it's a big deal that SEC Nation's here. You know, that's uh, you know one of three top 25 matchups. Uh, we're on ESPN. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you want that for the program, you know, uh, publicity for the program, and And obviously, uh, we want to be standing room only and those things, which I think we are. I think opening up against the top 25 program, which I think Cincinnati's higher than that even, I think they they would do well in the SEC. I know that. It should have helped us in the summer. Should have helped us in fall camp, understanding that, you know, we're not playing a team that's way inferior to us. We're playing a team that's every bit as good as we are. I think that's helped us. I hope it has. Sam Pittman, yesterday it is pre-practice, pre-Cincinnati press conference. And the next time we'll hear from the Arkansas head football coach will be tomorrow in the second iteration of Sam Pittman live at 7 o'clock here on ESPN Arkansas and all of our affiliates, including hitthatline.com. You hear Coach Pittman mention there are three games pitting two top 25 opponents against each other. All 131 FBS playing teams will be in action this weekend, including the newest, James Madison. Uh, of course, you got Oregon and Note and uh, Georgia opening up the season at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's the, the 11th-ranked Ducks, the third-ranked Bulldogs. You know the story behind Georgia, national champions back on the field, and Stetson Bennett put together another fine season without maybe one of the greatest defenses in college football history. We'll see if that Georgia defense is anything like last year. Dan Lanning returning to Georgia to coach against his former team. Bo Nix returns to the SEC, plays a team that's drubbed him three years in a row. There's that one. Not a lot of folks are expecting this to be a great game. Georgia is favored by 17 points, even with two teams within the top 11. And then you look at a top five matchup, not just top 25, top five at 630. Fifth-ranked Notre Dame going into the horseshoe against number two, Ohio State. Never mind, can Notre Dame beat Ohio State for the first time since 1936? Can they hang with an offense that some are calling before even one snap might be the greatest offense in the history of college football? C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jeba. What does the new Ohio State defense look like? Is Ohio State ready to contend for a national title, lose this game, and they're done? And then, of course, there's the story of Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman returning to Ohio State. All of that together, and still Ohio State is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Here's Coach Freeman on that. Well, I didn't know that. I'm going to write that down. You said 17-and-a-half points, right? 
We'll use that in the team meeting today. You know, um, it's good to know. You know, I haven't paid much attention to the spread, but I remember that one time we were on college game day. I said, just keep making go up and up. <laughs> college football fans are itching for a really good football game. You got an entertaining one between Northwestern and Nebraska on Saturday. There were a couple of other pretty good games too. But if you're talking a high-level game, a high-level game with two top 25 teams that right now not a lot of folks are quite sure which direction this game is going to go. Arkansas-Cincinnati is that game. This is the best game of the weekend in college football. Two evenly matched opponents, two really good head coaches, and two teams that are looking to catapult themselves into the national conversation with the first game of the year. This is not Arkansas taking on Jacksonville State or Missouri State or even UTEP. The last time Arkansas opened the season as a ranked team in 2015, the Hogs took down UTEP 48-13. to You didn't learn a lot about that club in that day. You did a week later when the Hogs lost to Toledo and Little Rock and things started to fall apart. You know, Arkansas has beaten a ranked opponent once in a season opener. Once. That was 1974 against number 5 USC. It has been 47 years since Arkansas beat a ranked opponent to open the season. They haven't had all that many opportunities to do it. Now, in recent years, Georgia came in ninth in 2020 and, of course, defeated Arkansas after a pretty entertaining first half. Auburn on the road. Arkansas was drubbed by Auburn, who was ranked sixth to open the 2014 season by a 45-21 to final score. And in 2006, lost to number six USC 50-14. to Those are the only three times in the last 31 years that Arkansas has opened a season against a ranked opponent. And this is just the first time since 1974 that the Razorbacks will open as a ranked opponent against a ranked opponent. This is the best game of the college football weekend, and I don't think there's a doubt about that. Look at the betting lines, and Arkansas is favored by six. So expecting this game to be within one score. I expect it to be within one score as well. And I'm wondering what your thoughts about it are too. Is this the best game of the weekend 877-377-6963. I only put it in those terms because you hear Coach Pittman talking about the benefits of being uh, on ESPN. Certainly Oregon and Georgia will be kicking off at the same time on ABC. But if that game goes the way that a lot of us are expecting, then I think those channels will be flipping from ABC to ESPN right about second quarter, something like that. Because if you're expecting Georgia to pull away in the second quarter, maybe sometime in the third quarter, Arkansas-Cincinnati probably will be a little bit tighter. This is going to be a game. This will be one of the highest, uh, most-watched games of the weekend. And not just because it's on ESPN, but because it's an incredibly good game between two teams who are evenly matched. Do you believe Sam Pittman when he says that Cincinnati could compete in the SEC? I do. I do. I'm not here to tell you that they would win the SEC or finish in second place in either division, but I think this is a football program that probably could compete at this level on a week-by-week basis. And you're going to learn about them just as much as you're going to learn about Arkansas once we get to kickoff on Saturday at 2.30. Very exciting. Drew, I think this is the best game of the weekend. 
I mean, I, I mean, we're expecting Ohio State to blow Notre Dame out. It's a really tough thing to go into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State, but this is a really good Ohio State team. I mean, you're talking about maybe one of the better offenses we've seen in a long time and a brand-new head coach in Marcus Freeman. So <laughs> it's quite a way to start your career as a head coach. The Georgia-Oregon matchup, hey, I think Georgia takes them down pretty easily in, in this ballgame. I think Arkansas-Cincinnati is going to be very entertaining. I think it's going to be a physical ball game. I think it's the kind of game that college football fans have been thirsting for. You know, not just two ranked teams, but two teams that are evenly matched. That's the kind of game that people want to watch on a Saturday. Hey, they want to watch anything on a Saturday when they haven't watched much college football in the last, in the last few months. But because of the drama, I think, that will surround this game and how tight I expect it to be, you're going to have more eyes across the country on Arkansas-Cincinnati than I think even Oregon and Georgia once you get into the third quarter. So we get to highlight the stadium, you get to highlight uh, Fayetteville, you get to highlight the beautiful campus, and you get to highlight Arkansas Razorback fans and hopefully may very much the same way they did against Texas last year. Now, you're not striping out, you're probably not charging on the field if Arkansas wins, but eyes were glued to that game. And a part of it was because of the way Arkansas played. Part of it was because the time of the day that game was on. But because this is week one, and it's one of three top 25 matchups, and it's the best of the three, (laughs) this is going to be the most watched game of the weekend. It will be when it's all said and done. I don't know if at tip, at kickoff time, it'll be get the type of numbers, but I think throughout the course of the game, it'll be the most exciting game for everything that you just said. I mean, you look at the lines that are out there. You're talking about double digits in in both of the other two nationally ranked uh, matchups. It just makes sense that Arkansas and Cincinnati is probably going to be the most competitive game, which for the average fan, average college football fan, that's the best game. Probably not the best outcome of the way that Arkansas fans wanted to go. They'd definitely love for their team to run away with it and the nation turned it off at halftime because Arkansas is blowing Cincinnati out of the water. Now, that's not going to happen. But when it's all said and done, I think we're going to look back and, you know, they do rank the best games of the week, either, you know, halfway through at the end. This is going to be the week one winner for it, for sure, Cincinnati-Arkansas. Yeah, I, I think a lot of eyes that, that pay more attention to Power 5 football will will open up with, with Oregon and Georgia just mm-hmm. because of the brand names attached mm-hmm. to it. But, but once that game starts to pull away, and you know how you, I mean, maybe some folks will be watching games the way you do, with a TV behind a Multiple television. Multiple TVs. Or you can just, you know, use the back button, and that works some, probably just as well. Once Georgia-Oregon starts to get out of hand, once it gets to the level of where the betters feel pretty confident that they're going to win their, their money, with a 17-point line favoring the Bulldogs, they are all reaching over to Arkansas versus Cincinnati. And again, our number is 877-377-6963 to get with us today. And it's a busy Tuesday. Chuck Barrett joins us in just a couple of minutes. We'll have him for a couple of segments. And, of course, game week. Always great to talk to the voice of the Razorbacks, especially when we get into this great top 25 matchup. Our number two, Alyssa Orange from Pictrell Nation, celebrating a fifth birthday of her young son, Finn, today. Get into uh, some of that and also some of the, this first game with Alyssa. Nate Olson will talk some high school football with us in our number three. Plus your calls and texts. We've got the reset for uh, throughout all three hours and uh, lots to get to on an exciting Tuesday here on Halftime. Stay with us. Chuck Barrett, voice of the Razorbacks, joins us next. 
our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. The voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett, joining us on halftime for the next couple of segments. And Chuck, it's game week. It's game week. It's finally here. How are you feeling? I know. I know. It's incredible. I mean, we've waited all summer, as we always do. And um, here we are. It's fun. I think people are getting excited about it, planning their trips. A lot of people are going to hit the road Friday and maybe some on Thursday. So it'll be a fun weekend. Yeah. I mean, we we, we talk (laughs) – once the season ends, we talk – a little bit about what just happened, but the focus kind of turns into spring football, which then turns into your, you know, what's the team going to look like once you get to preseason camp. Now preseason camp has come to an end. We can finally focus on on the opponent now. I feel like we've covered, like, everything um, <laughs> that we possibly can for this football team. You know, I mean, all the question marks, all the things you feel you can count on. Um, and, you know, talking season is basically finally over but it started with right when the right when the outback bowl was over do you do you get that sense that we've kind of kicked around everything yeah it 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 always works that way i mean um you know we're fortunate here in that our basketball team's good and our baseball team's good people uh people's attention diverts to an extent i think after the first of the year but yeah i mean the first game i mean you got all summer to talk about it so that's kind of how it works but you know, we'll look up and it'll be Thanksgiving. And that's how football season is. And once it gets started this weekend, it's going to be, you know, I mean, it's it's going to be uh, week after week from that point forward. Not just for the players and the coaches and people like us that work around it, but for the fans. I mean, when you live and die with it every weekend, you live from Saturday to Saturday for about three months. And so um, there's about to be a huge emotional investment on the people of our state, too. Yeah, and I mean, it's a different sort of an opener than we've seen in a long, long time because, I mean, the last time Arkansas opened as a ranked team against a ranked opponent was 1974 against Southern Cal. And I, I th- there's only three top 25 games in the, in, in the country, and the other two, um, Oregon and Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State, like the betting lines on those are, are predicting blowout, and I think a lot of us in our minds are, are expecting the same thing. Arkansas-Cincinnati is a different thing. This feels like two evenly matched teams, and I just have a sense this will be one of the, if not the, most watched game of the weekend. Well, it's got the potential to be a really good game. I mean, you don't know how it's going to play out, obviously, but, you know, you look at, you know, the other big games, as 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 they're called, and you just mentioned them there. I mean, they are, um, you know, I, I don't think Oregon's going to be able to give Georgia much for very long, and um, I don't know about Ohio State and Notre Dame, but I know that Ohio State's a prohibitive favorite. So, you know, our game may end up being, among the ranked teams anyway, the best game. And so... Uh, it's on in a good spot, 2.30 in the afternoon, and I would imagine that a lot of people are going to watch it and a lot of people around the country are going to be channel surfing, uh, as they always do on Saturday. And if it's a good game, I'll bet a lot of people surf on over there and stop and watch the rest of it. And I think it's got the potential to be that kind of game. So where are you in, uh, in prep for, for Cincinnati? If, uh, if Arkansas and Sam Pittman and the coaching staff have had... <laughs> 
months to prepare for Cincinnati. Where are you? Well, I mean, I got all my spotting boards and everything done on that. Um, I'm ready to go in terms of that. They've got a lot of new personnel, particularly on defense. You know, one of the things that's interesting, and, and I think it, you know, there's this narrative that Cincinnati lost everybody and Cincinnati's not a power five. So the fact that they went to the college football playoff was more of a, a, a gift than anything else. And since Alabama rolled all over them and ran the ball, we should be able to as well. I don't know that all that narrative is really, you know, exactly accurate. Um, because Cincinnati's talking about their offensive line the same way we're talking about ours. They've got a veteran group. They think their offensive line is going to be able to control the game, just like we think our offensive line is going to be able to control the game. Now, where I do think Arkansas has an advantage, at least on paper, is uh, defensively. Because, um, you know, Cincinnati lost some guys on that side of the ball. And I think Arkansas is probably going to be able to find some ways to attack that defense. I think Arkansas is going to score some points against these guys. But the idea that, you know, Cincinnati is is somehow not worthy or is somehow a team that, you know, we're just going to roll over, I don't know that that's quite right. I, now, I think Arkansas has a very good chance to win the game, and I think ultimately Arkansas's offensive line, if they can control the ball game the way we think they can, I think that's what's going to give Arkansas a good chance to win, and I do think they'll be better defensively. Uh, but, you know, the idea that Cincinnati is not going to be a quality opponent is <laughs> its kind of silly, and, and – um, they're going to be a handful and then some on Saturday. What about the idea where Arkansas may have an edge at least in in continuity on, on the offensive side? Where I know Cincinnati's got their five offensive linemen that started in their bowl game against Alabama last year. They may be at different positions. And I think one area where the offensive lines are, are, are very much not identical but a little bit the same is that uh, you got guys that can play multiple positions on that line, but they made a change. An offensive line coach, Arkansas, you know Sam Pittman loves uh, Cody Kennedy and everything he's brought there, and kept him around and raised him and and everything. Cincinnati, we're not sure who they're starting a quarterback, whether it's Evan Prater or Ben Bryant. Arkansas knows it's KJ Jefferson's team, and they've got a forehead. I'm not going to say monster at running back, but I'm not sure if Cincinnati right now knows who their featured back is, and you know for Arkansas. Sam Pittman has said, at least at the start of the season, until Dominic Johnson is healthy, the bulk of the carries go to uh, go to Rocket Sanders. So do you think continuity on offense helps Arkansas a little oh. more than Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, there's no question when you've got that kind of continuity, it does. I mean, that's what uh, – I think it's the continuity and the returnees and the players and the coaches that we already have confidence in that is fueling a lot of the enthusiasm that our fans feel toward our football program right now. And um, so, yeah, I think Arkansas has got an advantage in that area, and that may ultimately prove to be the deciding advantage. Hope that it does. Um, But I don't think anybody should think that Cincinnati is just going to roll over. And uh, um, uh, they were 13-1 and a year ago, and Luke Fickle, by all accounts, philosophically, I think is very similar to, uh, uh, to Sam Pittman and, you know, some of the key guys on our staff. And so um, I expect them to be a very rugged football team, more rugged than people might think. But I do think Arkansas's continuity. I, I think the experience on offense and on the other side of the ball, too. Um, you know, I do think ultimately that'll carry the day. 
I think the ruggedness will will you'll be able to tell that early. Maybe we didn't you know we didn't watch Cincinnati very much on television last year until until uh, the playoff. But it's like you could tell Texas last year wasn't up for the physical matchup that Arkansas was about to deliver to them. You, you can tell that early in a football game. You have a sense in that first quarter. You'll have a really good idea of how Cincinnati and Arkansas match up physically. And I, I believe in what you're saying that Cincinnati's ruggedness will probably stand up to Arkansas's attempt to try to be physical, too. Well, somebody's going to set the tone. And, you know, we saw Arkansas just, you know, do pretty much whatever they wanted at the line of scrimmage against Penn State in the Outback Bowl. Um, Certainly Texas at the start of the last season was the same way. Now, the week before, they'd struggled some at the line of scrimmage against Rice in the first half, not so much in the second half. So, um you know, ultimately, the you know the players are going to have to go play, and um, you know the coaches aren't going to be the ones out there. But I do think Arkansas. You know, I like that matchup there, and um, but you know, it should be a good game. I, I'm I'm just excited about what I think will be a very competitive game between two good teams that I think probably have a chance to be ranked at the end of the year too. Now, Chuck, Luke Fickle has come out today and he says that he knows who the starting quarterback against Arkansas will be and that they don't plan to announce it ahead. Also, that they don't plan on playing two quarterbacks, but plans are subject to change. How big of a, I guess, advantage does that actually get you? I mean, we're seeing Brian Kelly do this whole, I know who it is, but I'm not saying trickery type of situation. Does that actually get any bit of advantage, really? I don't think it does, but I also understand the paranoia of coaches. I've been around them a long time, and um, I understand how they feel and why they do some of the things they do. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it matters. Um, I think it's just a game coaches play, and um, you know, um, it's interesting in terms of this Saturday. I I, I do suspect it's going to be Brian. I may be wrong. I've 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 said that, you know, for the last week or so. Um, the other guy's more of a combo guy and, um, you know, he's a player that you might defend a little bit differently, I guess, but no, I think all that stuff's vastly overrated. A lot of times I think in the, in the more modern era, and by that, I mean, maybe just the last couple of years. Um, I also think too, that, you know, we're seeing guys go into the portal right now because they've still got time in some cases to enroll quickly in another school. And um, I think you worry about that sometimes as well when a kid can, you know, if you tell him at 8 o'clock at night he's not going to be the starting quarterback, well, by 10.30 that night he may be in the portal. So, uh, uh, or maybe by 8.30 he may be in the portal. So I think that plays into it as well in terms of how it affects the other team's preparation. Now, if you get on into the season when you've got a shorter amount of time, maybe it does. But generally speaking, I think a lot of that's just gamesmanship and really doesn't mean all that much. Interesting. When you say modern modern college football and really in the last <laughs> few years, I, I want to... Year or two. Year or two. Are you talking transfer portal NIL? Is that what you mean by modern? Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just the fact that, um, you know, let's say 10 years ago, you didn't want to name your starting quarterback. Well, you might have your reasons for that, but it wasn't because I don't want him to get mad enter the portal tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm not saying that that enters into coaches' minds. I, I'm not saying that's at the forefront of their minds. But I'm saying that, you know, again, when um, guys, there are no restrictions on when these kids can enter the portal. Unlike pro ball, there are restrictions in terms of free agency. And in college ball, um, I mean, you can work yourself you, you can work yourself into a lather at midnight fall into one of those traps we all fall into at times while well, the world's conspiring against me all you got to do is click your computer and you're in the portal and so um again I, i'm not saying that has anything to do with it but um i think the fact that they wait so late in terms of actually having an effect on preparation i think that's overrated yeah. And, and and modern college football is going to change into another iteration of whatever modern college football is going to be. Yeah, like well, I mean, that's too. just, uh, you know, this is how it is now. We can lament it. Uh, we can talk about how it's, you know, destroying the fabric of amateur sports. Uh, you can even go so far as to say that we're teaching, the, teaching kids the wrong lesson in terms of how quickly they can up and quit. But um, that's how it is. And so you may not like it, but that's what we've morphed into. And so for the time being, anyway, this is how the games play. Yeah, that's, that's the attitude I take from it, too. We'll go to a break here in just a moment. I always feel I always feel you might not like it, but there's certain things you can't control in life. You just have to deal with it. And that's what you got to do if you're a college football fan. Another thing you can do with a college football fan is to bring them over to Joe's Grilling Cantina for the Razorback game on Saturday because they have half-price apps and taps during every televised Razorback game, not just football, basketball, baseball, and everything else. TV's all around the restaurant. You can have a front-row seat no matter where you are sitting, and you'll enjoy your favorite apps and beers. They're all half-priced during the televised games. That's Joe's Grilling Cantina, where you can watch every football game and enjoy yourself. 3400 South 74th and Fort Smith across from Harps. Tuesday through Saturday. And yes, today is Taco Tuesday, so get over there for Dollar Crispy Food Chicken Taco. 877-377-6963 for a question or a comment with Chuck Barrett, voice of the Razorbacks. We'll come back with more halftime. To do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. College football is almost here, and we're helping you get ready as we do every season with Arkansas Game Day, with a special one to start when Arkansas opens up against Cincinnati Saturday, September the 3rd. Now, we'll get things going at 9.30 a.m. Here's the deal. Tommy's going to be back in studio. Drew Barrett's going to be at Randall Ford, and I'm going to be at Sassy's Red House on college. Arkansas Game Day is always presented by Bud Light, and Curveball Whiskey is going to be at Sassy's Red House on college. Get ready for the opening game between Arkansas and Cincinnati with Arkansas Game Day. Heard live on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. Halftime voice of the Razorbacks, Chuck Barris, is uh, joining us here. If you've got calls or questions for Chuck, you can get them in with us here at 877-377-6963. Chuck, we got a text from Brandon in Paris. And um, he wants to know if you still get nervous before calling the first game if you get butterflies. I do for any baseball opener, basketball opener, or for you in, in football. Do you still fear those butterflies going into the first game, or maybe you feel it every game? I feel it every game. I feel it every game. Every football game, every basketball game. But, yeah, you feel it a little more the first game. Yeah, I mean, there's always – it's not so much about – and you know this, Phil. It's not so much about broadcasting the actual game. Once the game starts, 
you know, at that point, the game controls everything. It's all the other stuff that goes into a broadcast, all the uh, things that you take for granted and nobody thinks about except, you know, the person that's on the mic when it all falls apart. So um, I think about things like that. That's what I think about. That's what I get nervous about. But once the game starts, it's all, uh, you know, I mean, it's what you do. Yeah, well, baseball and basketball are pretty yeah. straightforward with things with foot. There's so many moving parts in this in the football broadcast. So I, I can a lot of stuff going on. At. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. That's right, and I'm trying to I'm trying to help out in those cases too. We got another text oh, here. You've Aaron, been awesome. and, Aaron and Mountainburg asks, "Why do you hate Oklahoma?" And I'm not sure exactly <laughs> where this comes from, but I had to ask. Uh, I think it probably comes back from the old sports rap days. Would be my guess. We used to have a lot of fun with those Oklahoma people. Um, I think we might have called him Mobile Homa a time or two. I think that's kind of <laughs> how we referred to him was Mobile Homa. And, uh, um, now nah, we had fun with him. And, and, in fact, I think when Oklahoma and Texas come into the league, I really think that for a lot of people, that's going to be the rivalry that gets talked about more on a daily basis even than Texas. And I'm not yeah. talking about all over the state. I'm talking about what I call the Western Wall from, um, you know, the very tip of the northwest corner all the way down to Texarkana and, um, you know, over about 60 miles or so. That's the Western Wall. And those people have to work with people from Oklahoma. I'm telling you, in Fayetteville, in Fayetteville where we are, you know this, Phil, there's, uh, there's Oklahoma people everywhere. You see those license plates with half hog and half OU. And... Um, Oklahoma football fans are kind of like Alabama football fans in that they take themselves and their team way too seriously. And uh, the difference is Alabama's a legitimate national title contender and Oklahoma's not. And that's been the difference. But um, very similar in terms of that. But um, they're getting mad at me again right now. But I am looking forward to that part of, of uh, the expansion because I think for people in our part of the state who work and maybe even married to uh, someone from Oklahoma, um, that'll be a lot of fun. And I think that that's, that's, there's, uh, there's going to be a lot of talking going on back at work. You think in Siloam Springs they won't be talking about oh, this? You think man. in Fort Smith? You think all the way down? You think those people in, down there by Broken Bow, Oklahoma, the, that area over into Arkansas, you think DeQueen and all those people – you think that's not going to be a big game for them? I mean, it's going to be huge. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the reason Mizzou ended up being stuck in Arkansas, you know, with, our, with the Razorbacks stuck with Mizzou as far as the rivalry is concerned because of being a border state. But if you're looking at a lengthy border with a team that's coming in, yeah. Oklahoma's the one. You know, the first time I ever saw the Razorbacks, Chuck, was against Oklahoma in the 87 Orange Bowl. Didn't go very well for the Hawks. That was the bad Orange Bowl. There was a good Orange yeah. Bowl a little over 10 years before. Well, right, right at about 10 years before that. Yeah, that wasn't a good one. We left at halftime. It was such a bad yeah, game. Yeah, Switzer got revenge that night. But, he sure uh, did. He had a lot to get revenge for because, man, they took a whipping in the Orange Bowl back in the 70s. I remember Bosworth standing on the sideline wearing jeans because he'd been popped, caught with, uh, I think it was steroids, one of the first athletes I ever heard about that uh, got caught with that. Uh, we Bosworth got, got caught with a lot of stuff. That's just what we heard about. <laughs> yeah, now he's just caught with Dr. Pepper. Um, all right, we've got Eddie on hold here. This is going to be fun because then we get a chance to put two legends together here. Um, one who calls games, the other who calls shows. Eddie, 
You got the voice of the Razorbacks. Fast here with Eddie, you. what's happening? It's Fast Eddie. Eduardo is what I call him. How you doing, Eddie? I'm doing great. And you know, it's starting to bubble out of me. I'm asking the fan base of today, are you ready? Eddie is ready. I know the team is ready. I know the coaching staff and the two box coach Pittman is ready. But are you ready? Because it's fixing to all take place in four days, gentlemen. It sure is about to take place, Eddie. And, I mean, I, I thought you were going to go a little farther there. But I think, I mean, you know what Eddie's like, Chuck. I mean, he, there are certain moments I'm a little worried that Eddie's head is going to explode. I thought when I heard him on the postgame show after the win over Texas last year, he turned into a puddle of tears. He wasn't the only Razorback fan who did that day. But I think Eddie's head just exploded. Eddie's a uh, passionate fan. Eddie is a passionate And the thing is... You know, Eddie does call shows, and we hear Eddie on the air. I got a bunch of people in my family that do that for free at home every day, all football season long. Now, sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're mad, but it's always loud and it's always passionate, and I think that's the way it is for a lot of people in our state. And um, Eddie's just the one that calls radio shows. There's other people that just do that at home by themselves. Eddie, you hear that? You're representative of Razorback fandom. I don't think there's ever been a better compliment handed down to you, my man. Man, that sounds great to me. But, you know, Chuck, I want to give him great thanks. I'm not Rick Flair. I'm not the nature boy. But I grew up with his passion. I remember Rick in the army when he was a member of the Four Horsemen. Let me say this. I'm not saying that this this whole train is on a roll undefeated. Woo! But I'm telling you, we're going to get rolling. And I believe it with all my heart in a big way against the Bearcats. And that whistle is fixing to get blowing. But the reason I called in, I wish I could be, and you gave me this idea. I'd like to be on the SEC nation. On the set, this one I tell it. I'd bring a basket. You know what I put in that basket? I put a couple of juicy apples. I'm not, and then I put a couple of roses in the basket. And I'd hand, I'd say, first of all, I'd start, I'd say, Mr. Feinbaum, take a bite out of this apple. Because this our program is romping right before your very eyes. And then I'd give them a rose. And look at it blooming. Because after we roll over the Bearcats, we're going to send a message to the nation that the whole thing is, is rolling and jump aboard because we got it rolling. Jeez, Eddie, that was beautiful. You just found a way to combine Sleeping Beauty and The Bachelor into one phone call. I don't know how you pulled that off. And... Chuck, thank you so much for uh, coaching Eddie into uh, the Ric Flair woo, because now we hear that every time he calls. Hey, can you imagine how hard it is for a middle-aged man to get their voice that high? (laughs) I mean, really. I I can't do that. You have got to be at a special level to be like a middle-aged guy and get your voice that high. That that doesn't happen every moment now. No, no, it doesn't, but it's entertaining. It's entertaining when it does. It is. Uh, Chuck, let me let me uh, let me ask you a question. I'd ask you that at the start of the of the first segment here. Do you, do you think there's something that we've not talked about with this Arkansas football team? Like, oh, the- 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, it's like, all right, I, you know, KJ's the man. Wide receiver room. Great group of running backs. You trust the offensive line. Trey Knox is a tight end, and he's going to be really good. Great freshman wide receivers. Drew Sanders here to make big plays. Bumper pool. Miles Slusher and Nickelback. Defensive line depth. Is it good? Can you cover one-on-one in the secondary to blitz? Coaching staff is cohesive. You like your special teams. Who's the punter going to be? Have I missed something? No, I think that's a pretty thorough list. I mean, the only, um, you know, the only real questions for me right now, personnel, I mean, it's, you know, sounds kind of silly, but when you call the game, first thing that's going to happen is a kickoff. So um, I don't know if it's going to be Bates or Little kicking off. And um, I think we'll see both Bauer and Fletcher punting. And, uh, you know, Fletcher's brother's the starting punter for Cincinnati. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, so, and, and this this kid's good. I mean, he's really good, the kid we got. And um, I think you'll see both of them punt. But, uh, those would really be my own, uh, you know, only questions. I think probably Stevens is going to return punts. We'll see Satania maybe some there. Sounds like Green and Landers, but, you know, maybe your return guys. All right, well. I'll take that under advisement, and uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, in the booth on Saturday, Chuck. All right, I'll be there. Thank you, guys. Enjoyed it. You got it. Enjoy your game week. Chuck Barrett joining us here on Halftime, and uh, you'll hear him tomorrow on the Morning Rush, and then at uh, 7 o'clock, Sam Pittman live for the second time in a couple of weeks. Also got to remind you about Lark. This is something you can have at your tailgate or watch party this year. It's a full-spectrum seltzer brought to you by Washita Farms. has no alcohol at all. No calories, no carbs, no sugar, but what it does have is just the right balance of hemp-derived THC and CBD. And it comes in great flavors like strawberry, guava, mango, grapefruit, and berry. You can find Lark at your local adult beverage store. Just have it shipped to your doorstep by going to LarkHemp.com. LarkHemp.com. Got to be 21 years of age or older to consume Lark. Quick break. Back with the reset on Halftime. Get by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith today and pick up a four-pack of the new Crown Royal Cocktails. Available in whiskey and cola, peach brewed tea, green apple, and now whiskey lemonade. Try some today. Now, back to the podcast. Approaching the top of the hour here on Halftime. So let's uh, get to a reset, and for that, here's Drew. All right, here's your reset for hour number one. Everything you need to know that happened last night or that's going on in the world of sports. We've been talking about a lot of the last few weeks. Albert Pujols and the Cardinals, they were in Cincinnati last night, and Albert, he added another number to that incredible home run total, now at 694. The next, Albert lifts it in the air out to deep right. history the 450th different pitcher that albert is homered against nobody in the game has ever done that and that baby is number six nine four cardinals back in action tonight with first pitch at 6 30 on valley sports or on wherever you want to watch the broadcast or get the radio call from kmox the hogs depth chart it came out yesterday and People have been holding their breath about Brady Latham, Latham and Jaden Hasselwood. 
Uh, they are both listed as number ones at their starting position and are expected to play on Saturday. Speaking of death charts, being reported out of Austin, Texas today, a UT official says Texas football coach Steve Sarkeesian will not provide a depth chart before the season opener this week. In fact, Sarkeesian is not expected to provide a depth chart all season. I guess the competitive edge goes towards the media, and that's the horns down way. We had some World Cup qualifying basketball over the weekend in which Giannis Antetokounmpo played in for Greece. And I know, why do you need to know that? Well, you need to know this impressive stat line that he put up against Belgium on Sunday. 62 points, 20 rebounds, 12 assists, 10 blocks, 3 steals, 0 turnovers, 20 for 23 shooting for 63, uh, 86%, 7-7 seven from beyond the arc, and 15-16 of 16 from the line. The SEC Network pregame show will be at Arkansas this Saturday for the Arkansas Ole Miss game. It'll be set up on the old main lawn at the University of Arkansas. The set will be located east of Old Main near Arkansas Avenue. Marty and McGee will air live from the set at 8 a.m. and SEC Network will follow at 9 a.m. Both shows will be televised on the SEC Network. And your last reset point, Arkansas point guard commit Landon Blocker moved up six points in ESPN's updated ranking for the 2023 classes. Blocker, 6'2", 180 pounds, is now the number 22 overall prospect in the nation for the class of 2023. So I did a, I did a just a real rough count of the number of pitchers that can be on major league rosters at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think teams now are kept to, I forget if it's 12 or 13 pitchers, but they're limited on the number of pitchers they can keep on the roster now. I think it's 13. If you multiply that by the number of major league teams, Albert Pujols has hit more home runs against the, uh, you know, the number of pitchers Pujols has hit. Was it 450? 450, There's yeah. 390 pitchers that are currently on major league rosters. That doesn't count the injured guys. Doesn't count players that are on the 40-man roster but aren't up in the big leagues. Doesn't count the minor leaguers. But think about that. He's hit. More, he's at a home run against more pitchers than actually are on major league rosters right wow. now. That is insane. I mean, just to think about being able to go up against different styles of arms, different styles of pitching, and just different pitchers like that. 450, and more than likely, he's going to add to that number. I mean, if you just think about it, it needs at least six more to reach the almighty number of 700. So maybe not add six new pitchers, but... One or two, at least. I, I, I never, I never really like counting the number of pitchers someone has hit a home run against. wasn't ever really like a thing. It was the number of home mm. runs. It wasn't a but stat that I thought. This about. is an interesting, you know, statistic. I think to look up and keep in mind, like Barry Bonds played his entire career in the National League, the whole thing in the National League. Now, obviously, there's pitchers going back and forth between the leagues, much differently than, yeah, than than before free agency, in which really, I mean. Players you quite often spent their entire career in one league. And Pujols has kind of split things between the National and the American League. I don't know if that has much to do with it now, but I'd be interested in seeing like if there was a difference in... We'll take Frank Robinson, who spent about half his career mm-hmm. in the American League with the Orioles, half his career in the uh, National League with the Reds. That might be a little more of a rough estimate. Mm-hmm. And like somebody like, uh, like uh, well, Hank Aaron, who spent all but two years of his career in the National League. See how many pitchers those guys hit home runs against. That would take <laughs> a lot of research. A lot of time. So I tell you what, I'm going to take the next couple of hours off, and I'll just do that research. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Nah, kidding. We'll be back with the second hour of halftime right after this, so stay with us. 
Attention tequila lovers. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith and check out their full selection of Cava de Oro tequilas, including Blanco, Reposado, Añejo, Extra Añejo, Cristalino Añejo, Plata Tajona, and Extra Aged Añejo in the Black Bottle. Available at Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Uh, think of where you, where you are here with, with Arkansas football. Going into this uh, season, knowing exactly who your quarterback is going to be. And we've got Jim Harbaugh talking about biblical decisions involving starting one quarterback one week and another quarterback another week. we got Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian not even putting out a depth chart. I guess he got that from, from, uh, from Harbaugh, maybe. As Alabama puts him out, and that's where he's been recently. So I don't know what the situation mm-hmm. is. And I seem to remember Sarkeesian putting out a depth chart last year with Texas. So I don't know what that's all, all right, that's about. That's why they lost uh, lost all those games is because they put out a depth chart, right? I mean, that's got to be the only thing that is the only reason. Paranoia runs incredibly high in 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 football. I think mm-hmm. I think football is probably the most paranoid sport amongst any of them. And I mean, I think in some cases that paranoia is is deserved. You know, your scheme is a very important thing that you don't want your opponent to know. Um, you know, and I, I spend my life so often in, in, in baseball where you really can't hide a lot of this stuff anyway. I mean, if you just watch a pitcher mm-hmm. enough times, you get a sense of tendencies. The same thing about hitters. And if they adjust, well, then you have to adjust as well. They, you know, sometimes are a little bit iffy or, uh, or uh, not very forthcoming about injuries, but... Uh, certainly, that's much more of a of a football thing. Do you see this deal with uh, Najee Harris and uh, the Steelers, where he uh, he hasn't practiced much, if at all, throughout uh, preseason camp because of a of what was described by Mike Tomlin as he got his foot stepped on at a practice, mm-hmm. and then Harris the other day he was being interviewed when the Steelers and the Lions played, and Najee is like as honest as it comes. It's one of the things I, I think people really enjoy about him. Not just that he's a good running back and he's got a fun personality, but he's honest and, and is upfront about things. He said it was a Liz Frank injury, a Liz Frank sprain. That's the same thing that is, uh, is, is, is causing players to miss the entire season. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he may be available for the first week. But I know, I know Mike Tomlin is just not into giving the media any kind of information about injuries. And you look at, uh, I mean, in hockey now, the NHL, and I guess this has more to do with the agreement between the NHL owners and the Players Association. All you know about these injuries is whether it's a, an upper body, body or injury a body. or a lower body injury, and you can leave it to yourself to decide, you know, where you think the injury occurred. You know, and in baseball, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. You know, he's because what's the point of hiding it in baseball? I mean, what are you going to say your lineup different? That's exactly right. That's right. Anyway, I mean, and football is just such a uh, such a paranoid sport. But I mean, you know, Brian Kelly is saying that there's a competitive advantage because Florida State played a game against Duquesne, go Dukes, <laughs> Pittsburgh school there, uh, and LSU did not, and they have a quarterback battle, you know, theoretically, and and we know that Miles Brennan isn't the guy because he retired and has exited stage left. It's either uh, Nussmeyer or it's a uh, uh, Jaden Daniels, the kid from Arizona mm-hmm. State, who transferred over, and Brian Kelly's just going to leave it up until kickoff. And I'm, I get that. I do get that. Um, but that's exactly also at times what Chad Morris did. And I keep hearing, and I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to try to compare 
a combination of Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle to Garrett Nussmeyer and Jaden Daniels. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if we ever really got a chance to see what Starkle could do with a good team around him in Power 5 football mm-hmm. or the SEC because he was pretty darn good at San Jose State. and Arkansas really wasn't an SEC team the year that he was here. But, I mean, he had five quarterbacks start a game in a two-year period. That meant you didn't have a quarterback. So you're in a much different position here with, with K.J. Jefferson and knowing exactly who it is. But I kind of wonder, going into last year, you did not necessarily have that kind of confidence in this quarterback who right now we are kind of taking umbrage, mm-hmm. being offended when he is not listed as one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the SEC. I don't know anybody that would have defended K.J. as one of the top three, four quarterbacks in the SEC last year. People were just pissed that he was listed dead last <laughs> by one single writer. It was one and guy, and everybody totally, acts like we all did it. And he totally proved them wrong. Uh, see, we got a couple of the texts in here. People are a little nervous that Eddie blew his head off mm. by, by, by screaming. At, at, that's about as intense as I've ever heard mm. Eduardo in Clarksville. And I guess having Chuck Barrett on the phone... Or on uh, he wasn't on the phone. He was on our uh, on one of our broadcast units. Is <laughs> is a way to light the spark under Eddie. Get him going I mean, right. It kind of sounded like. I mean, if I could have transported myself to a year ago, it sounded like Eddie pre Texas week. You know, with a hated mm-hmm. rival there, and maybe it's just football season approaching or having Chuck on the call. But I was um, I had to turn the volume down in my ears. I mean, some listeners might have had to do it too, and that's not because of the of anything going on in the studio. No. It's just. You know, some people are just louder than most, and Eddie is definitely one of them when he wants to be. Yeah, he is, and uh, you, you, do, you love the passion, but you got to make sure you slow down and breathe, Eddie. We don't want you to pass out you know, while you're on the phone, because then we're going to be concerned. So just make sure you slow down, breathe a little bit better, and that's for that's for all callers, you know? Pace yourself. It's good to, It's good to pace yourself. All right, we got we got some people on hold here, so let's, let's open up the phones and get right to them. Alyssa Orange will join us in the next segment, 877 877- Three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. It is Charlie who's here with us. What's up, Charlie? How are you? What's up? Hey, can you guys do me a favor? Uh, whenever Alyssa comes on, can you tell her how much of a fan I am of hers? And I'm not doing that to suck up. I actually do like her work. And that little story she did on uh, Ryan Mallon and the whole team and preparing for the season, that was an awesome deal. I think, have you guys seen it? It's about 30 minutes long. Um that Alyssa did on the uh, Whitehall football team? I have not turned you know it on I'm, yet, no. But I just did send have, I just sent Alyssa a text that uh, announced random of hers. So uh, we'll see what she answers okay, back. Cool. I'm sure it'll be a nice thing because mm-hmm. Alyssa is as nice she's as lovely. Well, man, I, yeah, she's awesome. She does a great job. But I, I, I'm not just saying that because she's pretty and all. But she's awesome. She does an amazing job. No, that's why. Anyway, I, that's why I say you're a good caller, Charlie, because you're so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they tell me. My mom says, "Did you do it with your good looks?" And yeah, I said, and then, "Well, and then, I showed her." And then she then she looks over to her friend and she gives a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I showed her a picture of Maddie. You know, he's got the look when he had his little beard. I said, "These are the guys that I call into," and she says. Hey, you kind of look like old Maddie there. I said, yeah, that's my long lost brother. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Maddie's got the when he's when he's rocking his beard like me. You know, Drew can't do that. You know, the no, long, real long red beard. So, anyways, guys, I I do wanted to I do want to point out a real interesting battle that Sam's talked about, and I think everyone has talked about. 
I'm really excited to see who goes out there on Saturday. And, you know, we always talk about gamers. And, you know, practice is one thing, but when you get out in front of the live, in front of, you know, a big old screaming crowd, uh, it's a little different. And I'm really excited to kind of see, because I know the cornerback room and the safety room, you know, it's like Todd McShay. He knows so much. He's got Brainy over Catalan, but Catalan's starting over Brainy at that spot. So, you know, McShay knows so much. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take a shot at him. But I'm just saying, you know, I'm really excited. I hope Brainy has a great year. I'm not taking a shot at Brainy. But I, I'm really excited to kind of see how that all plays out in the first few weeks and where everyone lines up because I don't think they really know. I think we're so deep at that spot, too. We talk about receiver, but a cornerback and safety spot, and all those guys can mix and match. And, I, you know, I think Catalan will remain where he is but and Hudson Clark. But, you know, the, the other guys after that, man, hey, they, they're about they're, – you know, whoever goes out there on Saturday and plays the best, you know, I'm sure they'll rotate them early, but I'm excited to see how that shapes out. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just excited to see that as, as the wide receivers. No, Anyways, guys, I appreciate it. I'll hang up and listen. Y'all have there's, a, there's, uh, no, there's no There's no doubt about it. it. I think this secondary, and especially the safety position, is about as, uh, as, uh, as deep as it gets for Arkansas here. And, uh, yeah, just the fact that, that Latavius Brini, who started 11 games, for the national champions, the same defense that about an hour ago I mentioned might be one of the greatest ever in college football history. He's not starting. Jalen Catalan is that good. He is that good. Uh, one other caller on hold here. We got Sterling. What's up, Sterling? How are you? Oh, I'm doing. I'm doing great, Phil. And you know, talking about telling Eddie to take a breath and put down. What are you talking about? Are you are you outside your mind? It's this game week. It's turn up week. You don't turn down. You turn up. Come on, man. What is wrong with you talking about breeze? Breeze is overrated. <laughs> what do you mean breeze? You got to go all out. What did you say? You say all I want is all you got. Instead of calls being thick in and thick out, and give us all he got. And that's all I want is all he got. You pass up, you get them to smell sauce and get them to get up. That's what you do. You don't tell them to calm down. You tell them to get up and keep coming up and keep going. Because you got a football team here, folks. You got a football team that we ain't hoping that they don't embarrass us with. Take punts and put us on loop of reels. And we don't tackle a man because cause we, we think he may have put up a, a fair catch sign. No, we don't do that no more. We play through the echo of the whistle now, baby. Because we're the Hogs. We're back. We're the team that I grew up watching. We're the team that going to a bowl game was a foregone conclusion. And it's nice to have that back. Two and ten. If you would have told an eight-year-old Sterling that he would have saw a two and ten football team after he snapped you then got it whooping from his mama, he would have told you you must be outside your mind. And we yeah. saw that. Sterling, if you, if you were to call in, Sterling, if you were to call in uh, three years ago to this very show, which you might have done, you, you would not have this. And let's just erase the words necessarily, the meaning behind the words. It's the attitude behind the words that I'm hearing here. And I think you know, you. It sounds like your chest is puffed out. You know, you got your head held high. I think that mirrors the way a lot of Arkansas fans are feeling right now. It's great to have that feeling heading into the season. It's been a long time. 
Yes, and, and, and now to get off that, just for a second, I know y'all got to go to your break. But last night, what a night in sports. Serena Williams uh, comes on and, and, and goes, wins in straight sets, have another ceremony. A great champion, Albert Kuhol, still trying to make it to 700 before the end of the season. And Aaron Judge hit 50. Only Ruth and Mantle as Yankees went back-to-back. 50 home run seasons. And, and, and that story franchise. What a night in the middle of the week. Of, uh, in the middle of the week, just something the whole year over. Just another appetizer the whole year over for this football weekend get started. Y'all guys have a great day. Good to hear from you, oh, Sterling. Good to hear from you. I think the way you end that is they say, yeah, all that happened, and it's just Tuesday. All right, I want to remind you about the Labor Day sale right now at Cheap Sleep Mattresses and Furniture in Springdale, Fort Smith, Conway, and Bentonville. Got any size mattress starting at $199 plus Posturepedic mattresses with savings up to 70% off. That includes mattress box spring frame, only $499. Queen or King sofas, love seat sets, and sectionals starting at $899 right now. Sales don't stop there. Full-size mattress special, save 55%, including mattress and box spring, says $299. And that's at Cheap Sleep Furniture and Mattresses, Springdale, Fort Smith, Conway, and Bentonville. Stay tuned. We have the one and only Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation next on Halftime. Attention tequila lovers. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith and check out their full selection of Cava de Oro tequilas, including Blanco, Reposado, Añejo, Extra Añejo, Cristalino Añejo, Plata Tajona, and Extra Aged Añejo in the Black Bottle. Available at Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. And Alyssa Orange with us from Pig Trail Nation. Going to give us some of her time each Tuesday. And uh, mom of a birthday board today. How you doing, Alyssa? I'm doing good. Yeah, big shout out to Finn. He is five years old today, which is crazy to think about. And I always associate his birthday with football season. It kind of gets to that point of the year where it's Finn's birthday, and then we hit football season right away. So it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and I guess having him, uh, having you on the show on his birthday is kind of like it brings you all the way back to the day that he was born, right? Because there's a story involving yeah. radio to when he was born, <laughs> and Alyssa said that it's okay yeah. to bring this up. Go ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a fun, fun story. Uh, so in 2016, when he was born, by the way, my due date is September 29th. And so I think that puts some context in the story that I'm about to tell. So uh, we were about a month out from his due date. And uh, that year in 2016, if you remember, it was a Wednesday. And Arkansas opened up the season with FAMU and Little Rock on a Thursday. So all summer long, it was everyone but Alyssa is going to Little Rock because what happens if she gets to Little Rock and her water breaks? Oh, my gosh. So it's Wednesday. I get out of a meeting, our annual 1.30 meeting, and saw when I was still doing radio with, with Bo and they were still doing the show. was like, hey, I never got your radio, like, Razorback update. And I was like, oh, shoot, let me go get it for you. So I go into the edit bay to track radio for Saw and my water breaks. <laughs> and at first I didn't know what was happening. I was kind of like, 
maybe TMI, but when you're pregnant, and I feel like if there are any women who have, who are listening who have been pregnant understand, like, it was kind of like, oh, did I just, like, pee on accident? <laughs> I just didn't know what was going on. And then I was like, no, I don't think so. I think my water broke. So I called the only person in the office who's had a baby, which was my friend Melissa at the time, a former meteorologist. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. She's like, I think your water broke. And I was like, no, I don't think it did. I don't think so. He's not due for another month. She was like, well, maybe it's an accident, knowing like full well. Mm. Hell no, this ain't an accident. Like, you don't accidentally break your water. So I get, she puts me in the car, and I feel so bad because we had an intern and poor Haley, I had to be like, Haley, I'm sorry. I have got to go. And it was just me and her in the office. And this poor girl, she I always think back to like what was going through her mind. Because she was like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do now. So on the way to the hospital, I call Jason, Carol. He doesn't answer. They're all on the way to Little Rock. So I called Jean. And I said, Jean, tell Jason my water broke. And you can hear in the car like, ha, 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 yeah, right. And I was like, no, 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 but for real, I'm pretty sure my water broke. I'm going to the hospital, and I'm not back at the office. You guys are just going to have to figure it out. Bye. <laughs> and so wow. get there. Sure enough, water breaks. And uh, about nine hours later, uh, the baby boy was delivered. So, you know, shout out to Dr. Terry. He delivered Finn. He also delivered Bella. Uh, but I remember the whole entire time I had an epidural, but I was like, oh, my team is in Little Rock and I'm here having a baby. I'm pretty sure at some point he told me to be quiet, <laughs> but he was, he's the best. Top and the- so uh, this day is always a great day because it's just it's a fun story to tell. Yeah, it br- brings it all back. But I have a couple of questions based upon on, on this story. You are a consummate sure. professional, Alyssa. So did you finish the radio segment? Saul did get his radio, yes. Okay. <laughs> That's what has to happen. The show, can't, the, the show must go on. So I am continuously yes, told. Yes. Yeah, and then yeah. is Finn always early to everything? Does he wake up early? Does he get to school early? Is he an early kid based upon how he was brought into this world? Not, re- not really. No, he uh, he's a high energy. He doesn't like to wait. Maybe that's the impatient part about him. He's very much like go go go. Um, but no, we, he could sleep all day if we let him. You know, the funny part, too, is I had to call Saul, and at that point during the radio, and I'm sure you guys understand, like, his phone is off, and I guarantee it's, like, upside down, so he doesn't see me calling. So I call him, like, three times to tell him, like, I'm in the hospital, and he doesn't answer. So I know for a fact that Bart Pullman will answer, because Bart does have his phone, because as the producer, he's got his phone right there ready to go. So I call him, and I was like, you have to go tell Saul that my water just broke. And the story there was like... He went in and he told Saul, and Saul goes, I didn't really know what to do. He, like, sat there for five minutes trying to figure out what he should do until Saul finally was like, you need to leave. So, I mean, this brings up a question I kind of wonder about. You know, I have my two kids, but their mom will watch over them during games unless I bring them up. And they're also, you know, at an age where they might actually be able to be at the stadium, 13 and 10. You and Saul, like, you know, you're – you got to watch the games. There's things to worry about, yeah. you know. So what what are what are the kids right. doing during the games? Do they show up at the games? Or are they are they old enough to be uh, there with you guys and not take away your attention? Sure. Saul brought him once uh, to the game last year against Missouri at the end of the year. Uh, there'd be no way that I'd be able to get any work done uh, if I brought him with me. So we've been able to, with the help of our family members and some babysitters, we've got. Saturdays and weekends covered during football season, but um, 
yeah, it's it takes a village because come football season, these four kids we're in we're in eight different directions. Mm-hmm. Now that we are at game week, Alyssa, what's what's your favorite part yeah. of the first game? You know, for if. For me, it's, you know, one, it's walking through the, through, you know, the crowd, seeing people that I haven't seen in years, you know, just seeing all the sights and sounds and then getting to the press box and seeing my little name there and a, and a program and looking out on the field with nobody on there. That's like one of my favorite moments of life is game one in the press box before everything gets going. What What's your favorite thing yeah. leading up to game, the first game of the year? Yeah, I got to agree with you. Absolutely. I love being in the press box and, and walking into the press box and saying hello. And it's a it's a time where you get to see a lot of faces that you haven't seen in a while. Some of the media down from Little Rock will come up and you get to say hello to some of those colleagues and uh, run into people and mingle a little bit. Uh, and then it's sitting in that row in press in press row and sitting at your seat and watching the game and the kickoff and running through the A. I mean, it's just a really cool environment. We get a very unique perspective from where we are. No, we can't cheer in the press box or make noise or, you know, do anything like that. But um, that's kind of my favorite part is maybe the quiet before the game starts. And we're sitting in there and there's just the anticipation of things starting. Um, I really enjoy that moment, not just the first game of the year, but I think every game kind of being in that stadium before everyone starts to arrive um there's there's just a there's just a a really special vibe about being in there right before things get going that i love mm-hmm. now we're we're here tuesday we're about to hit the middle of the week and middle of the week is where a lot of people they go from being optimistic to pessimistic or, or vice versa how do you feel uh, about this game? And have you got more nervous or more thinking, yeah, Arkansas is going to handle them easy type of feel? Like, wh- which way are you kind of leaning right now on the meter? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not in the Arkansas is going to roll um, and, and win it handedly yet just because I haven't seen anything from this team outside of practice. And so you just never know what you're going to get, right? Um, so I'm, I'm still – I feel good about this team. I feel good about this game. I think it's going to be maybe closer than some of us anticipate. So that's maybe where I am. Like, this is going to be, this is going to be something. It's going to be closer than we think. We're not getting, giving Cincinnati enough credit because they lost so many pieces to last year's playoff team. Um, So that's kind of where I am right now. Uh, It's really hard for me to be um, a pessimist because that's just really just not in my nature. Um, to be, to be down for no reason. Uh, but I'm also, I can't overhype myself either. I've been doing this way too long to know that if I just get too high, um, it doesn't usually go well. So even keel <laughs> is what I am. Good answer. You know, I mean, Alyssa, the, the <laughs> last couple of times that Arkansas opened the season as a ranked team, they didn't play anybody. They just, they just didn't. They didn't play anybody of any sure. sort of, uh, of, of, of competitive quality. I mean, UTEP, Jacksonville State, Missouri State, Tennessee Tech, you don't get a sense of how good your team is yeah. against those kind of clubs. And I think 2015 against UTEP and 2012 mm-hmm. against Jacksonville State sort of proved that because neither of those teams was really all that good. Uh, so yeah. I think it's great opening up against Cincy because we'll really have a sense of, you know, how Arkansas will look. It's not like they can't come back from a loss, sure. but 
I mean, this is you're playing a really good team. I absolutely, I mean, 100%. Phil, you know, remember last year? Yeah, it was the Rice game. It was the Rice game. Everyone was like, but Texas next week, but Texas next week. But you had to get through Rice, but Texas next week. There is no but South Carolina next week right now. It is Cincinnati. It is a team that went to where you want to be. They were in the college football playoffs a year ago. This is just not some, like you said, a, a, a UTEP or or even a Rice team that's coming in here to open up the season and get an easy first win of the year, you got to take care of business. And so there's a lot of excitement. I think they were going to have a lot of Cincinnati fans coming to Arkansas because how many um, times do they get to play SEC teams? So you're going to have a lot of people making that drive from Ohio, and um, it's going to be a battle. And that's why I think this is going to be closer than people think. But this is definitely a sit up and take notice. They better not fumble the opening kickoff like they Mm. did last year because you got to be buttoned up top to bottom to be able to uh, compete in this game. And then it's not easy the very next week when you bring in Spencer Rattler in in South Carolina the very next week. And then you have Bobby Petrino the week after and then A&M. I mean, it's just not – we've talked about how hard this schedule is. I mean – Last year's schedule was hard, too, but at least the first three of the first two weeks, it was pretty easy. Hey, before we let you go, I see uh, your uh, Dolphins have signed Trey Flowers. Uh, I don't know how long hey, the deal hey. is, but uh, where, where, do you see, where do you see him fitting in there with, uh, with Miami? Yeah. yeah, I love that, and I just hope he can come in and bring some veteran leadership to the D-line. You know, the Lions tried to move him to linebacker. And uh, I don't necessarily think that that experiment works. We've just seen him be so successful on the line. So maybe he can come in every now and then and just give a burst of energy off the edge. I love that. Uh, But I just love it for Trey Flowers, who is such a good dude, who has uh, been nothing but kind and treated me so well when I've covered him at Arkansas, was able to cover a Super Bowl win with New England and Houston, and um, wish nothing but the best for him. And hopefully he can find some success to, to end off his career because um, he deserves it. And hopefully the Dolphins can use him where he's needed. But I'm just happy that he, he found a team that wanted him. And he's not wearing that Patriots uniform anymore. I just love that anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then there's that too. Alyssa, appreciate you. See you <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> see you Saturday at the stadium. Thanks as always. Oh, I can't wait to see you guys. Thanks. Appreciate it, Alyssa. It will be a banging time at the Donald W. Reynolds Stadium on Saturday where you can watch the Razorbacks and the Cincinnati Bearcats. Of course, we're going to have the uh, Learfield pregame beginning at 11.30 in, no, it's going to be at 10.30 in the morning. It helps to know what time you're going on the air, doesn't it? It would. Yeah, and of course, we'll have every Sam Pittman live radio show uh, here on this very station or website you're listening to, every single Razorback football game, and that'll lead you right into basketball leads you right into baseball and of course this is your headquarters for all things arkansas razorback athletics halftime and the morning rush ruskin and zach and we're going to make sure you are the best informed you possibly can be and not even just about being informed we want to be your megaphone so be a part of the show and we'll be right back 
College football is almost here, and we're helping you get ready as we do every season with Arkansas Game Day with a special one to start when Arkansas opens up against Cincinnati Saturday, September the 3rd. Now, we'll get things going at 9.30 a.m. Here's the deal. Tommy's going to be back in studio. Drew Barrett's going to be at Randall Ford, and I'm going to be at Sassy's Red House on College. Arkansas Game Day is always presented by Bud Light, and Curveball Whiskey is going to be at Sassy's Red House on college. Get ready for the opening game between Arkansas and Cincinnati with Arkansas Game Day. Heard live on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. There was something Alyssa said in the uh, last segment and I kind of wondered about. Drew Drew brought this up to me during the commercial break. And you've seen the Cincinnati crowds being a Memphis Tigers fan and there being you know a rivalry between the two schools in the AAC. How many Cincinnati fans are going to show up like on average, how many uh, visit? How many tickets does the visiting team get to begin with? And then how many will be making that trip? Cincinnati actually is not all that far if you want to drive it. I mean, it is a lengthy drive. I mean, you might have to stay over one night if you got the kids. But I've I've driven that. I've I've made it to Cincinnati without stopping. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. Without sleeping, mm-hmm. you do have to stop because it's going to be about. It needs gas. It's about ten, nine to ten hours uh, from. Uh, from uh, Fayetteville to Cincinnati. So, I mean, there's no direct flights, obviously, so it'll be a little bit of a trickiness uh, to get there, flying, considering all of the delays and craziness going on in the aviation industry. Maybe a drive would be the Mm -hmm. most direct way to get there, but I just uh, just wonder how many many Cincinnati fans are actually going to show up for this. I mean, they have a great program. It's a big city. I mean, it's a major American city. It's a perfect. This is one of the things about Cincinnati football that stands out is that it is a major program. It is a major program, not SEC, not mm-hmm. Power Five, but they're going to be. It's a major program, and they're in a major sports city, and and a, and a sports city that, I mean, quite honestly, for a long time could have given less than a crap about the Bengals because of obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but not now. Not now, after making it to the Super Bowl and having such an incredibly exciting young team. The Reds aren't all that interesting, but it's still a good baseball town. Uh, and, and they have, I mean, really, when you used to think about Cincinnati University of Cincinnati Athletics, it was basketball. It's all it was, was Bearcats yeah. basketball. It was Oscar, it was Oscar Robertson. It was, it was uh, you know, Huggy Bear. It was all those good Cincinnati teams. And then the first time I really started thinking about Cincinnati football, it was in it was in the days of, the, of Big East football. Mm-hmm. Pitt and Cincinnati had a thing going back and forth. And I just remember Since he won four Big East They did. Titles. I was like, wait a minute. I had even forgotten Cincinnati has a football team. <laughs> now they're going to join the Big 12. And, I mean, it just look, it's not USC or UCLA and, a mate, you know, that kind of a city mm-hmm. like Los Angeles. But just look at some of the other... What other, what, other, what other major American city has this good of a college football program inside of it? Northwestern's not in Chicago, so it doesn't count. And that's not at mm-hmm. the level that Cincinnati has been anyway. SMU, TCU, nope. Houston, eh, sort of, maybe. They're not at the level of Cincinnati. No. Memphis, they're not at the level no. of Cincinnati. Uh, Pitt. Pains me to say that, but no. Pitt is good, but I don't think they're at the level of Cincinnati either. And that's a professional sports town. Miami, just, Miami actually, used to be, but they're not now. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati are alike in some of this because they both have good football teams. Bengals are probably better. That hurts to admit. Both baseball teams stink to high heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and college football quite often, you know, falls to the, to the back pages. But 
But, you know, in, in, yeah, I know in Pittsburgh when Pitt played in the Peach Bowl, that was front page news. That was a big deal there. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati playing for a chance to play for the national championship, like, and that had been building for a few years. Like, I think we're, maybe we're not quite ready for or appreciate. It's not going to be intimidating. Don't get me wrong here. It's those folks, the Cincinnati fans, the Bearcats fans that are coming into the Lions den. But I just wonder, you know, how, what kind of a showing are they going to have? Well, as somebody who has been to probably, goodness gracious, 10 to a dozen Cincinnati games uh, in, in my lifetime, uh, they do show up pretty well. I remember back to 2019, uh, they finished this regular season at Memphis. Memphis won the game, which forced the American Athletic Conference Championship game to be played at Memphis two weeks later. And they showed up again. Like, they went home and came back. I And they, they've always showed up pretty well. Just like a lot of fan bases, there's some bad apples, but I'd say 98% of Cincinnati fans that have come down and visited that I've talked with are good people, so you're going to get nice Midwestern type, Midwestern slash Southern mix. It's a little weird there. You get kind of the Midwestern and Southern mix with Cincinnati uh, fans being so close to Kentucky. But I'm going to say... They put in a pretty big, de- a pretty good debt, especially. I don't think a lot of people are expecting more than a, a thousand or two. I'm going to say five, there's going to be about 5,000 Cincinnati fans because they do, for their size of a program, they travel pretty well. So 5,000 Cincinnati fans. If 70, they can get the tickets. 75,000 Razorback fans. So that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good ratio. Yeah. Pretty good ratio. That's probably more the Cincinnati fans than I would have expected. Just racking my brain here for universities within major sports cities that won national titles. Georgia Tech, they had a split national mm-hmm. title. I think that was 91. Miami, obviously. Right, USC is one. USC and Boston College. Do we like count? 84 with Doug Flutie. And Washington, that's only, and, Washington and Seattle. That's, that's a major counts, one. That's right. That's not named for the city. But no, it is, it is but right it is there in Seattle. Seattle. I mean, Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA. Just kind of cracking. I mean, it, it, it's rare, but it has happened. All of those major were major programs mm-hmm. at that time, too. And uh, the fact of the matter is, I think Cincinnati is a major program as well. And Pitt. Pitt's got some national titles, including one in 76 with Tony Dorsett. Or Tony Dos- Dorsett, which is how yeah, he pronounced his name then, and then switched it to Dorsett when he was with, uh, when he was with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break here in a moment of the reset after the break. want to remind you about Twin Peaks in Rogers. Nobody does happy hour like Twin Peaks. No matter your preference, they got everything you need. Tequila cocktails, extensive bourbon category, top shelf spirits, cocktails served over ice balls, local craft beers, handcrafted whiskey cocktails, rounding out an adventurous drink menu that is second to none. And of course, 29 degree man size draft beers at Twin Peaks and Rogers. That's your sports headquarters. They got made from scratch fan favorites. Game is blasting from every angle. The ultimate game day experience at Twin Peaks and Rogers. Or go online to TwinPeaksRogers.com. You can order to go or delivery. Twin Peaks and Rogers. More TVs, bigger screens, and scenic views. More to watch at Twin Peaks. Quick break. And Drew with the reset next on Halftime. My friend, my love, I miss you so. Take good care of you. I've got to go. Whiskey River 
Get by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith today and pick up a four-pack of the new Crown Royal Cocktails. Available in whiskey and cola, peach brewed tea, green apple, and now whiskey lemonade. Try some today. Now, back to the podcast. All right, moving along near our third hour here on Halftime. Starting to get used to doing a third hour here. Doesn't feel too long. Doesn't feel too short. But we go to in, into the second hour with the reset, and here's Drew. All right, here's your second hour things you need to know for the rest of your day of what happened, what's going to happen, and just some, just some nice facts. Serena Williams, she won her first match at the U.S. Open last night. This will be her last tournament before she enters retirement. Here's Serena on what she's going to remember most from the first matchup. I think when I walked out, the reception was really overwhelming. It was loud. I could feel it in my chest, and it was a really good feeling. It's a feeling I'll never forget. Yeah, that meant a lot to me. That is right, and we've talked a lot about home runs this week. Albert Bowles is the only one putting up impressive numbers. Aaron Judge, he just hit his 50th home run, and here's how it sounded. The 1-1. High drive. Left center. Trout back. Looking up. See ya, number 50. Aaron Judge connects for his 50th home run of the year, and it's 4-3 Angels. That's right, and a quick check from around Major League Baseball. Just look at some of the standings and some of the races. New York Yankees with Aaron Judge. They still have a seven-game lead on the division. They probably will wrap that one up. The Guardians only have a half, game and a half lead over the Twins in the Central. Houston leads the division over the Mariners 11 by 11 and a half games. Over to the National League, the New York Mets. They have a three-game lead on the Braves. Your St. Louis Cardinals, or most of your St. Louis Cardinals, have a six-game lead on the Milwaukee Brewers and the Dodgers are continuing to run away with it as they'll probably win over 110 games this season. So they have a 19 and a half game lead on the San Diego Padres. In the NFL, Jimmy G, he's going to be staying with the 49ers even though they're going with Trey Lance as their starting QB. Sources have told Adam Schefter on Monday that Garoppolo and the Niners have agreed to a restructured one-year contract that is worth $6.5 million in a fully guaranteed base that salary. The new look deal contains another total of 500000 in roster bonus and playing time bonus that could boost it to another nearly $9 million for up to total of $16 million if all the bonuses are reached. And now the only way that happens is if Trey Lance gets benched. And more Arkansas basketball news. Arkansas basketball recruits and cousins from Denver, Bay Falls, and uh, Ascendipa are planning to officially visit the U of A on September 16th through the 18th. Fall is a five-star and the 20 over, 20th overall prospect of 23, while his cousin is a four-star and the 57th overall prospect in the 2023 class. All right. Well, so let's see. Aaron Judge... 50 home runs. He's basically already going to win the home run crown for the major leagues. He's 14 ahead of Kyle Schwarber. But, you know, you want a guy to chase history, right? Mm-hmm. 50 home runs is impressive. But this is also a thing that we've become really used to over the course of the last 25 years. 50 home run seasons are special. But you got to keep in mind, like, you went. It's not from, 60, though. It's not 60. But on as of now, 
He's still on pace to get to 60. You had, how many years was it? I think it was George Foster with the Reds hit 52 home runs. I think it was 76 or 77. And then it was another 14 years until Cecil Fielder hit 51 with the Tigers. And he needed to hit two on the last day of the season at Mm -hmm. Yankee Stadium to eclipse 50. Uh, But right now, Judge is on pace for 63 home runs, which is impressive, but it's also not, it's it's not seventy. It would have broken that sixty three breaks well, Maris's American record. League record. It is that's true. That is that is true. It is an American League record if you get to sixty two. So that, you know we're looking for we're looking for something to root mm-hmm. for here that stands out. Sixty three home runs in the American League would be impressive. And I didn't even realize too that that back to back fifty home run seasons had never been uh, accomplished in the Yankees since Mickey Mantle and uh, Babe Ruth uh, mm-hmm. did it. But just looking back here, Judge hit uh, 39 home runs last year. He didn't hit 50 last year. I think Sterling brought that up. Back-to-back seasons, 50 mm-hmm. home runs. So still it's just Mickey Mantle and, and Babe Ruth as far as uh, the Yankees are concerned. Um, what else? This, this, this contract, you brought up the contract with Jimmy G. I mean, it was like a foregone conclusion he's going to be He's traded. out. He's done. Should a be. foregone conclusion. This is so rare. Can't imagine like th- this reminds me a little bit of the New York Giants late '80s, early '90s. Though and you remember Phil Simms, quarterback the Giants, mm-hmm. that was their defense and running game that did a lot of it. He was the game MVP, the Super Bowl MVP of that of uh, of uh, defeating uh, defeating Denver with John Elway. And then that was '87. Four years later, uh, the Giants end up in the Super Bowl again, but Sims is the backup for Jeff Hostetter. And I can't remember another, and, and this time, I mean, how long ago did, did Garoppolo uh, get the Niners to the Super Bowl? It was like three, three years, years ago, ago. Three years ago. Now he's backing yeah, up Trey like Lance. Yeah, it's like 2019. Now he's backing up Trey Lance. Let's see if Lance can be Jeff Hostetter for mm-hmm. him. Because that was, that was shocking when it happened. Because Phil Simms is not a Hall of Famer, but he was a really good Pro Bowl quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and Garoppolo, I don't think he's at the level of Phil Simms necessarily. I know it's a different game now and then and everything, but I think Simms was more of a consistent player. And I think it was injuries that, that got Simms to the point where, uh, where he, wasn't, he wasn't playing in, in, at, at, you know, late in the season. And, and Hostetter had been playing so well that Parcells just kept him in there. And it mm-hmm. worked because he was good in the Super Bowl too. But they would have lost that Super Bowl if Scott Norwood had, had actually kicked the field goal at the end of the game instead of pushing it wide right. So here's the thing with the Jimmy G situation that is a little confusing to me because I, you need to have a set plan, right? And if I'm a Niners fan, I'm thinking, what the heck are we doing still tying up any type of money into somebody that you told me two a month ago that we were moving on from, that we're starting the, the future of this franchise, that you truly believe Trey Lance is the guy, is the future of the 49ers. Well, then let's move on. This shows me some hesitancy. This shows me that Trey Lance hasn't improved getting the number one reps that he's gotten over over fall camp and over the preseason. This shows me that they are starting to try to backpedal and cover their rear ends because they think they made the mistake. Well, and how did that conversation go, you know, with, with Garoppolo? I mean, initially, so, all right, you're not our quarterback. This yeah, guy yeah. is. We're going to do something with you. Can't get it done. Well, all right. We'll 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 bring you back. We'll restructure your contract, and you're going to be the backup. Oh, okay. But how many backups make couldn't possibly make sixteen million dollars? I don't know any that do. Make six point five. I don't think 
that, that's pretty high for a backup. So that means, well, look, he's he's being paid this money to be ready at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. I mean, any backup quarterback knows that to begin with. But usually you say third-string quarterback is the best job in football because you get paid, you make a decent living, and you know you're not getting out there. Yeah. Second string, you better be ready to go. You better be ready to go. And you got to get out there without any time to warm up. And to be paid $16 million, I think a lot of us would be just okay with that. We're okay moving into the third hour of halftime. It'll come right after this quick commercial break on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at HitThatLine.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people.